Kentucky has not had a four-year drought of no SEC regular season or conference tournament championships dating back to the Tubby Smith, Billy Gillespie era, Andy Patton. But yeah. guess what, my friend? That's exactly what Coach Cal is staring down if the Cats can't win one this season. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. We are your hosts. That's my guy, Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade, and we want to welcome you all into the show, which is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets, guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Andy, man, we're all in these conference preview shows now. That means we are getting close to the season starting, under two months away. So we're continuing, folks, our conference preview series where we're going to preview all 32 Division I conferences. Sorry about you, independent schools, <laughs> including full 30-minute shows for the Power Six conferences, along with the West Coast Conference, A-10, AAC, and the Mountain West, all coming up leading up to the season. This is our second full show. Last week, we did the ACC. Go back and check that out. I'm going to link to it right up there in the Kona up top andy today though we're talking sec and we got to start with the biggest storylines we'll get into favorites conference champion predictions awards ncaa tournament uh births all that kind of stuff but biggest storylines right out of the gate we look at uh the stability in this conference along the coaching ranks yeah. andy what, what are you noticing about this well i think we're talking about a conference that did a bunch of of coaching changes last year. <laughs> That's right. Six coaches are going to be starting their second full season this upcoming year. You got Todd Golden at Florida. You got Mike White at Georgia, Matt McMahon at LSU, Chris Jans at Mississippi State, Dennis Gates at Mizzou, and Lamont Paris at South Carolina. So a, a handful of coaches that, you know, you, it's hard to judge a coach on year one. And I think you start to really get a better sense of, their coaching style as they adjust to a new conference, the kind of players that they bring in after a year. You know, I think we'll talk a little bit more about Golden in Florida, but they had a really successful offseason in terms of bringing in transfers that were rated really highly on a lot of analytic sites. That makes sense because Golden is a very analytic-minded <laughs> coach. So, like, how does that actually translate, though? What is that going to do on the court? You can't really judge them based on last year. I think you want to kind of give some of these coaches a little bit more time. And so I think – you know, we only see one coaching change this offseason because, again, all of them happened last year. Of course, the big one this offseason was Kermit Davis getting replaced at Ole Miss by some guy named Chris Beard. Heard Chris of Beard, obviously in the news for some significantly uh, unsavory reasons. Last offseason, Ole Miss has hired him. That has happened. The outrage has kind of come and gone. We'll see how it goes for him this season at Ole Miss and what it means for for that program, how quickly he turns them around, if it happens in year one or not. But really, it's an interesting kind of dynamic to have so many seven coaches within their first two years in the SEC. Of course, you have stalwarts like Calipari. He's been there for well over a decade now. Bruce Pearl, Rick Barnes are coming up on a decade as well. So there are some guys who've been there for a while, but really it's a conference that has gone undergone a lot of changes in a recent amount of time and kind of shaken up uh, the traditional powers uh, at the top. And by the time Texas and Oklahoma come in next year, it's mm -hmm. going to be some pretty, yeah. uh, you know, that'll be 
Yeah, I mean, both both of those guys will be early on at those mm-hmm. schools as well. And, I, mm-hmm. man, I love this Chris Beard thing, Andy, because mm-hmm. homie can't escape his old schools, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as he went to Texas, he's right mm-hmm. back at Texas Tech. He's got mm-hmm. this year at Ole Miss away from Texas, but then the Longhorns come in yeah. next year. I love uh, – it's like he's just getting followed around. Mm-hmm. Also, I love the uh, very proper British – Matt McMahon pronunciation <laughs> of Matt McMahon's name. <laughs> That's so good. But seriously, uh, it, it is interesting. We've got literally half the conference in their first mm-hmm. two years, and then you got those three stalwarts and a couple guys in the middle. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, all plays out. Andy, let's talk about Kentucky's wild mm-hmm. offseason. Uh, I, I want to start with kind of the unrest of it all because, as I said off the top, it's been now three straight years in which the Wildcats have not won either the regular season or the conference championship. The last time that happened was they didn't win either of those in Tubby's last two years or the two years of Billy G. And before that, you got to go back to, I think it was like the early 90s for any stretch longer than that. And we're looking at a very, I mean, Kentucky's got talent, Andy. Let's let's not miss that. But we're looking at a very real possibility that it could be four straight years. Not to mention the Cats haven't made the second weekend of the NCAA tournament since pre-COVID. And, you know, I I know we might – there's not really much hot seat action in the SEC right now, I think we agree on. Mm -hmm. Big Blue Nation is not going to be happy if it's another year of no championships and no advancement in the tournament. Yeah, and I think, you know, I I think part of this – these numbers for Calipari and Kentucky are less about Kentucky – being significantly worse. They've had their challenges. They certainly had NCAA tournament challenges, but I think a part of it is the SEC getting better. I I think you look at programs like, you know, Eric Musselman coming in at Arkansas, Nate Oates at Alabama, like they have elevated those programs to levels that they haven't been at in a really long time, maybe ever for some of those programs. And I think that is a objectively good thing for the SEC in terms of, you know, I mean, we'll talk about it later in the show. The, The number of teams we expect to make the big dance out of the SEC is pretty darn high. And I think that's good for the conference, but it is bad for Kentucky. And on top of that, they, you know, we've talked about it a little bit on the show. Calipari has a reliance on on freshmen and combined with the fact that college basketball is getting significantly older, that will eventually kind of change when the COVID eligibility runs out. But these COVID, speaking of COVID, the, the classes are kind of weaker because these guys didn't, these young kids didn't get as much time to play AAU because of COVID and all that stuff. So there's kind of this combination of things that has led to Calipari having a roster that uh, isn't as young as it was in like early July. They've made some additions since then. They've picked up the roster. I don't think that this is a, b- a bad roster at all. I think they can absolutely contend to be the, the winners of the SEC. I have no doubt about that. But there's kind of this confluence of factors with uh, college basketball getting older, Calipari somewhat sticking with his guns in terms of recruiting high school players predominantly, and those high school classes maybe being perceived on paper as being a little bit weaker. I think Kentucky's freshman group is going to be very solid, but it is kind of an interesting whirlwind of things that has led to this situation where Calipari is maybe not as comfortable and his spot at Kentucky is, as you would expect him to be considering his overall body of work as a college basketball coach. Yeah. Andy, such a good point about the SEC tides rising. You know, you think about it as like, it seems like the rest of women's basketball is catching up to UConn. Mm-hmm. The rest of women's soccer is catching up to North Carolina mm-hmm. stuff like that. Uh, makes a ton of sense. I feel great about Kentucky's backcourt. You know, you got, thankfully, Antonio Reeves back. Mm-hmm. You've got Justin Edwards, who I think is going to be phenomenal, and Rob Dillingham and DJ Wagner and Reed Shepard. They're all freshmen, though, 
And uh, man, front court, we're going to have to wait to see on the health of some of these dudes um, on, on both Aaron Bradshaw and on Yenso. We're going to have to wait to see if Ivicic is available or not. So as uh, you had said earlier, thank goodness for Trey Mitchell. Thank goodness. (laughs) It sounds terrible to say, but from Kentucky's point of view, thank goodness for Bob Huggins, right? Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, so we will really see how that goes. No, Andy, here's the thing. We said it's been a minute for Kentucky since they've had some of these things. But the SEC as a whole hasn't won a national championship since Kentucky's in 2012. And they've only had two Final Four participants in the last seven years, neither of whom are like SEC royalty, Auburn in 2019, and South Carolina in uh, 2017. And those are the last two SEC Final Four participants since going all the way back to 2016. Andy. The SEC tides are rising, but it doesn't – I completely agree with you there, but it's got to translate into NCAA tournament success at some point. Yeah, it's it's kind of shocking that it hasn't. Uh, Alabama is a team that you know had number one seeds or, or really high seeds and hasn't hasn't produced, hasn't gotten past the Sweet Sixteen. And, and Arkansas is a team that similarly hasn't gone as far as you'd expect them to do in the NCAA tournament at times. And I think this thing will change. I, I'm not sure who's going to be the one to break the tide. I think there's a handful of teams this year that the tide. Huh? Hey, huh? <laughs> uh, I'm uh, Alabama's not, not necessarily one of those teams <laughs> this year, but there are a handful of teams that I do think could could be elite eight caliber teams, final four caliber teams. But uh, yeah, it's a competitive. There's a lot of teams right now. They're beating each other up in the SEC. And I think you're kind of seeing that shake out in a not as not as productive month of March as, as this conference would like. Yeah. It's so true. Very true. We'll wait to see what happens. There's some teams I'm with you that I think are at the top that could fight their way there. We'll find out in just six or seven glorious months. Well, Isaac, I'm really curious if Calipari and Kentucky can take home that elusive SEC title because it's been a while for them. But there's also some dark horse teams that could be in contention, some teams that we haven't even talked about yet. And we're going to discuss all of that after a word from today's sponsor, Athletic Brewing. Folks, now is your time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by the Athletic Brewing Company, much like Dylan Brooks, who dropped 40 points, excuse me, 39 points in USA uh, to, to secure a FIBA bronze medal for the Canadians. Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. They're full of flavor and well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. Folks, you can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all time. Folks, this may be a college basketball podcast, but college football season is here and Locked On is kicking up our coverage with Locked On College Football Kickoff Live airing every Friday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern on every single Locked On College YouTube channel. College Football Kickoff Live will cover playoff implications, conference rivalry games, and go in-depth like only Locked On can, including insight and analysis from our stable of Locked On College hosts covering their team every single day. Find Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday from 11 to 1 on any Locked On College YouTube channel. You won't want to miss it. Folks, we're talking SEC basketball here heading into the 23-24 college basketball season. We talked a little bit about some of the biggest storylines, new head coaches, Chris Beard coming in. We talked a little bit about John Calipari and Kentucky. Now I want to talk a little bit about who are the favorites 
to win the SEC next season? Is Kentucky a part of that conversation? And who are some of the dark horses who might be able to kind of rise up, especially out of that group of second-year coaches? Who might lead their team into a bigger, uh, more wins next season and potentially even challenge for a championship? And, and Isaac, for me, I think you got to start with A&M. They got to be kind of a part of that conversation as one of the favorites, a team that finished really well last year and really kind of kept a huge chunk of their core together heading into next season. <laughs> yeah, huge chunk is almost an understatement. It's like there might be a little splinter taken out of the out of the whole entirety of it. I, I'm right with you, Andy. I think AM for me is actually at the top of the heap. I'm kind of mm-hmm. playing my deck cards a little mm-hmm. bit there. But when I'm thinking favorites, what I'm always looking at is who are the teams that are going to get a double buy mm-hmm. in the conference tournament, right? The SEC is one of those where the top four seeds all get a double buy. And so I'm always thinking like, who are those four teams? And those are my four favorites. So mm-hmm. I would absolutely take AM. Mm-hmm. And then with the others, I would have Tennessee and I think Arkansas because mm-hmm. Musselman, I, I know we've made all the jokes about yeah. eight million guards in that mm-hmm. in that locker room this year, but he just figures out a way to make it happen. I'm assuming Trayvon Brazil is going to be back and ready yeah. to go at some point or uh, sooner rather than later this season. Yeah. And it sounds like that's that's the case out of Fayetteville. And then I, I would put Kentucky in there. Um, although honestly, that's the one I feel least good about mm-hmm. of those four, but that, that would be my four favorites to get the all important double buy. Yeah. I think for me, it's, Kentucky and Bama are very close. And I think there are some other teams that are, you know, we'll talk about dark horses momentarily, but for you know, Bama, Mississippi state, I put Mississippi state close right there. Yeah. I think Mississippi state's very close, extremely deep team and extremely old team. They're bringing basically everybody back and they were all seniors last year, but for me, I think Kentucky, Bama, Mississippi State, kind of all right in that four, five, six range. I think for Bama, there's some questions about how some of their younger guys step up, some questions about how Grant Nelson adjusts to playing in the SEC. Like those are big things. You know, they're relying a lot on him. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how kind of the middle of this conference shakes out because there are some teams that I think the cream's going to rise to the top. And I think we're talking about, you know, AM, Tennessee, Arkansas kind of being in that conversation. But like Kentucky, I said this before we recorded, they could finish anywhere from one first to eighth. Like I genuinely believe there's the spread for them is so wide and that's not because of a lack of talent. It's just predicting how a, a lineup of, a, you know, four five, six freshmen is, is going to play is really hard to do. So how they do kind of informs a lot of how the rest of this conference shakes out. But I, I think having them in that conversation as a potential double buy makes sense just based on Calipari's track record, uh, especially of developing freshmen throughout the year. And this group coming in is, is really talented. And and you just want as you think about dark horses, I don't think Chris Beard can get it going year mm-hmm. one, yeah. but he had Texas Tech in the Elite Eight in year two. He had mm-hmm. Texas Tech in the national championship game in year three. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying they're going to be a top four. I'm just saying, Chris Beard, you and I both think he should not be back in basketball yet. That's mm-hmm. a conversation for another day. Yep. He's a darn good basketball coach. I can yep. say that for him. Yep. And for me, the, the last couple of dark horses I wanted to talk about, uh, Florida, I, I kind of talked up Todd Golden a little bit. And I think th- this offseason was so solid. Walter Clayton, such a great addition for this team. Yeah. Uh, Micah Handlockton coming over from Marshalls. Uh, he's not going to be Colin Castleton. Nobody's going to be Colin Castleton, but he's a really high-level center, a talented player coming into that program. We saw what Riley Kugel could do at the end of last season if he gets kind of unleashed to have a bigger role. I, I think that Todd Golden in Florida, again, are they going to be top four? Probably not. Are they going to be better than they were last year? I'm willing to bet on that. And I think there's a chance that they could make some real noise uh, in the SEC tournament enough to even get themselves into the big dance. 
Andy, what what if we could clone Colin Castleton? Could we have another one? I mean, they cloned that lamb dolly all those years ago. Right, yeah, so they, clearly they can clone Colin yeah. Castleton. I, I think, you know, Todd Golden and all his analytics, he can figure this thing out. Yeah, Let's make it happen. Him. Colin Castleton beta. Let's go. I'm in. <laughs> in all seriousness, Andy, let's talk our conference champions, who we think it'll be. Let's start with the regular season. Mm-hmm. Who are you looking at to come out of this SEC meat grinder as mm-hmm. the regular season champion? Will will it be shared or are we going to have an outright champ? I'm going to go with Tennessee. Uh, and I think there's a chance they share it. I, that wouldn't surprise me based on just how many good teams there are in the conference. And I yeah. think we, we're going to see a lot of teams with really similar records. The difference between first and sixth in this conference is probably only going to be a couple of games, uh, which I think is going to make every game really feel important in the SEC, which is always fun when you're watching those conference games. Uh, but I'm going Tennessee. And they, they had a, a, a good on good and bad offseason they, they <laughs> lost a lot of talent losing Olivia Nakamura to Michigan is tough Tyreek Key graduates Julian Phillips goes to the NBA they lose their big guy Placid. I still can't believe that I yeah. can't believe Phillips left Man, yeah wow. Phillips leaving was was a bit of a shocker yeah our guy Leaf Tulin kind of talked about how he thought he might and we were like oh, I'm not sure but <laughs> but he did he's out the door with the Chicago Bulls right now but uh, for Tennessee, they do keep Santiago Vescovi. He comes back. That's right. huge. They keep Zakai Ziegler, and his health is a big question mark in terms of when he's ready to go. But if he's ready for a huge for the majority of the season, if he doesn't miss any time or very little time, having Ziegler and Vescovi back is is really huge in terms of just having a a productive veteran backcourt. We talk so much about having veteran guards and how impactful that can be. They also have Josiah Jordan-James coming back. Jonas Adu comes back. They add Dalton Connect, mm. guy from Northern Colorado, averaged 20 points per game. You know, you have to see how going from the big sky to the SEC, how that's going to translate for him. But a guy who who really lit it up as a scorer while at Northern Colorado. They also get Jordan Kate, Jordan Ganey, uh, six foot four guard, averaged 15 points per game last year at USC Upstate. So, Deep team, experienced team. They got some injury issues. Rick Barnes, you know, that we've talked about whether we can trust Rick Barnes on the past historically on this show. And <laughs> there's some question about that, especially getting into March. But I think in the regular season, this team is deep enough. They have the guard play. I, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be tough to beat night in and night out. Honestly, Andy, I, I'm with you. Zakai Ziegler's health to me is mm-hmm. the single biggest storyline slash question mark in the entire SEC this year. And is why I actually just the unknown of it is why I do not have them as my uh, mm-hmm. champ. But if he's good to go, I'm I'm joining you on the Tennessee train there. But I picked instead the Texas A&M Aggies. Gig them for all you Ags <laughs> out there. This is the 12th season for Texas A&M in the SEC. They have one shared regular season championship with Kentucky um, back in 15-16. Have mm-hmm. never won the conference tournament. But Andy, you said it earlier, man, so many guys coming back and and people might not remember this team finished second in the SEC last year, just one game behind Bama, but then three games ahead of Kentucky for third place you get. And and not just like that they were second and lose everything. You get four out of five starters coming back. Coleman and Marble and Tyrese Radford and Wade. I mean, ridiculous. And I left Wade Taylor till the end of that, by the way. Um, 10 players averaged double digits last year. Nine of them are coming back, Andy Patton. Not to mention, you add in a couple transfers. I think the best of whom is Jace Taylor, come, uh, excuse me, Jace Carter coming over from University of Illinois, Chicago, where he averaged like 16 and a half last year. As always, we're, we're looking to see, does that translate? You know, uh, 16, and, 16 and a half elsewhere is maybe like nine mm-hmm. in Tennessee with Rick Barnes. But man, I, Rick Barnes, excuse me. 
uh, <laughs> Texas gotcha. um, but still, dude, give me, give me the Aggies winning the regular season outright. I'm here for it. So the funny thing, Isaac, is I have AM winning the conference tournament and for a lot of the same reasons. So I'm not going to rehash a ton of them. Veteran team bringing back a lot of their talent. Uh, Wade Taylor is, is such an, a difficult player to defend. And I think in that format, in that structure, I, I, give me a and And I think they're going to be right in the conversation with Tennessee. I said, I think Tennessee might tie. Tennessee and AM tying for the regular season title and AM winning the conference tournament strikes me as a, as a pretty realistic scenario that could happen here in the SEC. Woof. Apologies, by the way, to Buzz Williams for uh, loading him in with Rick Barnes. Uh, I actually have Arkansas winning the conference tournament. And I think I chiefly because of what I joked about earlier with 8 million guards, we say all the time, all the time, how guards win in March. And I think that depth and I'm assuming Trayvon Brazil's health. I think that is critical and key Mm -hmm. to this. But the must bus rolls on through the SEC championship right there on Selection Sunday. Andy. As you're seeing already, my friend, there are so many good players in the SEC, and I can't wait to see them play. That means the awards are wide open, lots of opportunity, and that means there are going to be a bunch, a bunch of SEC teams in this year's NCAA tournament. Just how many? We got predictions for you coming up in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season, which kicked off this weekend with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 can get 100 bucks off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can be bet on everything from point spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Andy, we're wrapping up our SEC preview, but we want to start looking at awards as well as predictions of how many SEC teams are going to make the 24 NCAA tournament. So let's start with our first team all-conference selections. Hey, we're not going Pac-12 style where you got like 15 dudes on the first team. Andy, I'm limiting you to five, and then we're going to roll through these award selections pretty quick here. Well, I got four guards and one post player that I'm talking about here. For you're, you're a modern coach, Andy. That's I all guess I so, right? <laughs> we're spacing the floor out significantly with this team. Uh, I'm going with uh, the guards. I'm going with your Wade Taylor at AM. We talked about him a little bit earlier, a guy who was really, really productive last season. Uh, Antonio Reeves coming back uh, for Kentucky, a guy that I expect to be their leading scorer. And uh, I didn't crunch the numbers here, but I bet Kentucky's leading scorer has been an all-conference first teamer for a pretty long time, would be my guess there. Uh, Santiago Vescovi at Tennessee. I was really close between Vescovi and Zakai Ziegler. It depends on Ziegler's health. Uh, that's kind of the biggest thing. If, if Ziegler misses even five to ten games, Vescovi is going to have a much bigger role in those games, and I think that gives him the edge there. Uh, I got a, My last two are a bit more off the grid, I think. I'm going Riley Kugel at Florida, a guy that has been talked about a lot as kind of a, 
a potential riser on the NBA draft boards. I know Leif Tulin, our, our guests, talked about him as a guy who he thinks could be a big breakout candidate. Todd Golden has a rich history with guards. We've seen it at San Francisco. Already saw it at the end of the season last year with Kugel. I think he could be a guy who who is, is productive enough to be in this conversation. And then I'm going Janai Broom at Auburn Ooh. for my final spot, a guy who really considered staying in the NBA draft process, a guy whose game doesn't necessarily match with the modern NBA the way that Oscar Shibways does not, Drew Timmy's does not, kind of why he comes back to school. And I think uh, he's got the keys to, to be a, a big-time contributor for Auburn next year and potentially enough to be in this conversation. Well, Andy, uh, I think pretty similar to our ACC discussion, mm-hmm. we have three of the five same players. I've also got a modern four-round one approach here. <laughs> yeah. Wade Taylor, dude, I, just incredible. 16.3 points a game last year like just shy of four assists, mm-hmm. uh, thirty near 36% from three. I love what he does, and I think it just keeps growing this year. A score of facilitator, he does it all. Antonio Reeves, I thought he was Kentucky's best player down the stretch last year. He already showed in their uh, kind of foreign games this offseason that he's going to be a dude again. I mm-hmm. expect that to happen, especially having uh, veterans like he and Trey Mitchell around all those youngins. And mm-hmm. then I, Vescovy, for the same reason. Yeah. I would rather have Ziegler, but I think in Ziegler's absence for however long that is, Vescovy's the man there. But my two differences from you are Mark Sears at Alabama. I think he kind of steps in and steps up this year and uh, really makes things happen there. And then Tolu Smith from Mississippi State. Man, I love this big man. He's phenomenal. I can't wait to see what he does this year in Starkville. Get all those cowbells ringing for Chris Jan's team. Andy, so out of those five, who is your player of the year? This is probably a bold prediction here, and maybe when we do our bold prediction episode, <laughs> I'll, I'll revisit this perhaps. Boy, I can't wait for bold predictions episode. It's going to be so fun. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Um, I'm going with Broom. And Broom was not as productive last year at Auburn as I think people had hoped he would be. Uh, you know, you expect his numbers to drop from Moorhead State to Auburn, as you know anybody's probably would. But he still averaged 14 points, eight and a half boards per game, uh, averaged two and a half blocks, which I think is a huge part of his story. I think he's going to be a, one of the more impactful defensive players in the conference, which will help. Uh, Auburn probably is going to have to make more noise than we're expecting them to make in order for Broom to actually be the player of the year. Uh, and I think some field goal efficiency stuff's going to have to change. Also, Auburn's guards, how they distribute the basketball, whether Broom gets enough touches. There are a lot of factors here. But to me, he got really valuable feedback going to the NBA, hearing what those scouts had to say, kind of getting assessment on his game. I always think that's important for players. And I think he's a year of adjusting to the sec is under his belt. It's, Mm. it's a little bit like the players who make that big jump from freshman year to sophomore year. It's probably not as pronounced, but I think, getting a year to understand the SEC, the difference in officiating, the difference in, in you know, just the arenas that you're in, all of that stuff I think is really valuable. And if he comes back and averages 16, 17 points, eight or nine boards, uh, two and a half blocks again, his field goal percentage ticks up. Again, if Auburn finishes ninth, that's probably not enough to win the player of the year. But if Auburn does decently well, if he puts up big numbers, I think there's at least a chance that this is, this is the award that he, he ends up taking home next year. Andy, I've got Wade Taylor from mm-hmm. Texas A&M. I think he's essentially like this year's version of Marquise Noel. Just that guard that's a little under – he's not as short as Marquise Noel, but just that dude that kind of takes America by storm, can do it all like 
I, I didn't even say like he almost shoots 90% from the free throw line. Love mm-hmm. Wade Taylor. And I think he's going to be huge for buzz and college station this year. Andy, let's pick up our speed a little bit here. <laughs> Coach of the year. Who you going with? I'm going with Todd Golden. And I remember you talked about this in the ACC show. You talked about how a lot of times it's a coach who, who kind of just took the team from not very good to better. And that maybe that's not how this award should be given out. And I can kind of understand <laughs> that argument. But for me, I think Florida is going to be a significantly improved team. I think they're an NCAA tournament team, which I know we'll talk about. And I think if Golden shows that improvement, people are kind of expecting from him as a coach who had so much pedigree coming in from San Francisco. I think he takes home the trophy. Andy, I, I just I got to keep things uh, in college station. Give me Buzz Williams as the coach of the year. I think AM is going to be projected maybe as preseason conference champs, at least top two or three. Mm-hmm. But it's where I'm contradicting what I said last week is because AM is not a perennial basketball yeah. power, I think him achieving what he is, what the team is expected to do this year is good enough to get coach of the year. All right, transfers, man. This is a big part of our conversation this day and age. Who is your transfer of the year in the SEC? I'm going with Trey Mitchell. Trey Mitchell coming over to Kentucky out of West Virginia. I think a guy who, you know, again, his his numbers have never been like staggering. And I I think that might be what would hurt him. But again, right now, as we're talking, the Zvonimir Visic situation at Kentucky he may not go there. Like there's a real chance that he does not get enrolled at Kentucky and ends up elsewhere. And if that happens, there's not really an opportunity for Calipari to replace him. So they're going to be down a guy in the front court. I think Trey Mitchell could play a ton of minutes at the five. He might play some minutes at the four. How productive he is playing a role that's maybe a little different is a huge question mark. But if he gets a a lot of touches, if he spaces the floor, shoots it well, I think there's a real opportunity for him to be a guy who has the best season of his fairly decorated career. Started at UMass, played at Texas, of course, played at West Virginia last year. I think there's a real chance that he emerges as a, as a, a significant contributor for a Kentucky team that might make some real noise. And if that happens, he could be the one taking home this award. Give me Grant Nelson coming over from North Dakota State down to Tuscaloosa, who's crying right now their Texas tears uh, <laughs> after losing on Saturday. Uh, you know, people kind of describe him as a little bit of a unicorn. I mean, he's not Chet Holmgren, but he can do a lot of things really well. Excited to see what he does. Andy, we got a flag. Let's go names only on these next couple categories. Who's your freshman of the year? I'm going DJ Wagner at Kentucky. Bingo. I'm taking one of his classmates, the more unheralded Justin Edwards. Love Wagner, love Dillingham as well. Give me Edwards. Sixth man of the year. So I'm going to take it's two, basically. It's either Latrell Wrightsell or Aaron Estrada. Which of those two transfers joining Alabama does not start? I think Mark Sears starts. I think one of those two guys starts. Whoever comes off the bench, taking home sixth man of the year. For me, it's Dalton Connect at Tennessee. You mentioned him earlier. He could, could be in the starting lineup. If not, he's my sixth man of the year. Stud of an athlete. Can't wait to see him play. All right, Andy, let's quickly wrap this up with an over-under. How many SEC teams are going to be in the NCAA tournament? I'm setting the over-under at seven and a point five half. <laughs> I'm going over. I'm taking nine, which is crazy high number in the SEC. But again, this is a conference that has just continued to produce a lot of talent. I think that the, the overall numbers in the, in the league are enough that they could put this kind of this amount of teams in there. I'm going with Arkansas, Mississippi State, Bama, Kentucky, AM, Florida. That'd be great for Todd Golden in year two. Auburn, Tennessee, and Mizzou, with the teams being left out being Vandy, LSU, Georgia, Ole Miss, and South Carolina. Wow. We are so close. I'm also over, but only eight teams. I left Mizzou out. I live mm-hmm. in Missouri. 
I'm sorry, Dennis, Coach Gates, uh, but I just I think there's a li- great first year. I think they'll be good this mm-hmm. year. I just think there's enough regression in, in the sophomore year there that uh, I don't have Mizzou in. Would love to see him get in, but uh, I don't have him there, and I apologize. Folks, that's going to wrap us up here today on our SEC conference preview we've now done two of the 10 big ones that we're going to do we got eight more full shows we're also going to sprinkle segments throughout the next couple of weeks with various other conferences as well so definitely take a look for them also if you check us out on youtube you will see a playlist with every single conference preview so you can click on that and check out all the shows there thank you so much for making the show your first listen or watch of the day once again if you want to go to that youtube channel while you're there go hit that subscribe button we're getting pretty close to 1500 subscribers would love to get there before the start of the college basketball season heck we'd love to get to 2000 so if you want to go ahead and hit that subscribe button again it is much appreciated thank you so much for listening and until next time as always peace out